0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX, sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the flooring experts, MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
3: And welcome back to Overnight America. It's a weird time indeed. I think uh, that's a universal feeling among many people. And I saw this one guest offered up, and this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, Joining us now is Dr. Wayne Purnell. A a mindset tune-up, how to stay motivated when there's just so much bad news going on in the world. Dr. Purnell, thank you for coming on to KMOX.
4: Ryan, we need to step out of survival mode. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: (laughs) Well, that's different from when we first started. So originally, if we go back a year, we started learning Uh, about the virus and they said, oh, don't worry, it's just going to be a couple months. And then, uh, you know, people, when they were at home quarantining or working from home, they were excited to learn new skills. Oh, I'm going to read so many books. I'm going to learn a new way to cook or whatever. And now we're a year later, and it's it's such a mental toll on people. They don't have that motivation anymore. They don't want to start anything. They don't know when it's going to end. It has really been a giant uh, weight on so many different people that they don't know how to get out of it.
4: It's true. I mean, we've all coped in our own ways. I, you know, my pantry is organized. My bookshelves are organized. But, uh, <laughs> a couple of rooms have been painted, but you know that goes so far, and then it's. You know, the the biggest thing that we're facing is the feeling of a takeaway and, oh, no, it's going to be better tomorrow, next month, six months from now. How long? Right. It sort of feels like the old Charlie Brown cartoon where Lucy says, you know, promises, oh, no, I'll hold the football this time. And Charlie Brown comes right up to kick it and she yeah. yanks it away and he falls flat on his back. It feels like that day after day after day. And it it does get tiring. That's you know the the term now is COVID fatigue,
1: mm. and we're
4: we're just tired of being on our video conferences. We're tired of being in all the roles all at once. We're we're parents. We're uh, at work, at home. We're, <laughs> we're and we can't go out to get that break that we're used to. It
3: in does, a lot of ways, it you does th- add up. Yeah, we look at it, the world's not going to change much. I mean, the, the world's going to do what the world does. And in a lot of ways, when we start to self-reflect, look into our own selves, you talk about mindset tune-ups or whatever it may be. It's hard yes. to sometimes because relative to the rest of the world, you're like, eh, it, it's it's hard to find that motivation it really is. So when, how do you change yourself when everything else around you, it looks like you can't control anything?
4: Yeah, this is so important. Recognize. That there are a couple things about this. The first thing is that you matter and that the work you do, the, every step of the way, what you do matters to someone. And so recognize what keeps you motivated is, is a sense of purpose and recognize that getting up in the morning makes a difference when you have contact with somebody else. And whether that's your kids, your spouse, your your coworkers your customers you need to be able to show up fully for them it's the same way your voice matters every single day you need to be able to show up and and remember why you are doing what you do so i think going back to your big purpose what is it that that you're doing that makes a difference and that's that's huge when you when you think about motivation because sometimes we get lost in the poor me kind of stuff this is taken away <laughs> from us right poor me they're doing it all to me that's the other thing ryan is that people forget it's a pandemic it's not personal yeah. this is happening around the world no one woke up and said uh-huh, how do we mess with ryan today um nobody yeah. did that right nobody's focused on on making anyone's day a bad day
3: eh, well it's- i don't know I, I i do like to think sometimes. <laughs> That could actually be true. But, you know, even so, let's say that you have to give yourself this sort of pep talk. How often yep. do you find that people are giving it to themselves? Because, it, you know, when you hear it, you feel good about it. And then eventually it starts to slowly wear off. The effect of it wears off. And I feel like when you have something as long as this pandemic has been going on, there's been a lot of internal pep talks going on. It seems like you have to relight that fire a lot.
4: You do have to relight it. And in fact, there's nothing wrong with asking for it. One of the things that I recommend is what I call the six-penny exercise. If you can put six pennies in, in your right pocket and think about who can I give a compliment to? Who can I reach out to? And you transfer those one at a time. Okay, I've given a compliment here. Okay, I reached out there. Uh, and, and And treat others really the way you'd like to be treated. And so as you transfer a penny for having given a compliment or a, a button or even a paperclip, right, you're going to keep track six times during the day. It's not that hard, and yet at the end of the day, you'll you'll see that, wow, I, I didn't give six compliments. I didn't ask for six compliments. It's okay to ask, by the way. That's that's okay, too. Um, tell me, how am I doing, right? The, the first thing is we all want to know that what we do has purpose. The next thing is we all want to be acknowledged for what we do. And so it's okay to ask, like, hey, how am I doing? You know, reach out to somebody, offer that compliment, but certainly give it to yourself, treat yourself the way you want to be treated as well. And, and it is okay to ask. It really is. And so I'm going to recommend six times during the day to connect with somebody, anybody. And And let them know, you know, if you're at the grocery store and somebody's bagged your groceries for you, that's awesome. You know, have a little eye contact. Call them by name. Smile behind the mask. Your eyes will do the smiling. Right. Make that contact. It's it's huge.
3: Your eyes will do the smiling. It sounds like a poem or a chapter in a book or something (laughs) like that. So, you know, if people wanted to look you up and some of the different things you're doing, maybe they need a little motivation. Where can they find you?
4: yeah thank you uh, if they can spell my name, they can find me wayne Purnell, pernell p e r n e l l WaynePurnell.com. i have books i have uh, podcasts i have courses you know and and I'm a big fan of staying curious because that keeps you out of judgment and it keeps you it keeps you in this space of wonder and um you know you, that's going to get you through too. So, please reach out. Uh, there's actually a downloadable book at WaynePurnell.com. It's called The Significance Factor. That's available for your audience as well. So,
3: perfect. Uh, yeah, and you're right about the curiosity. We just lost Larry King over the weekend, and that was a big uh, motivator. The the curiosity side, and myself included. That I do a lot of radio interviews and things, and I don't know how you could get through life without being curious. You you have to have something out there that drives you to try to get a little bit deeper to, and um, that's such a big part, I think, of a lot of people's, the the way we're, we are human. It's huge. It's huge. Curiosity, the flip side of curiosity, if you think about it, is judgment.
5: Hmm.
4: And, and it's, if you find yourself in the space of, oh, well, that guy is just a so-and-so, you know, or, Or judging someone's work or judging someone's attitude, that's about you. It's not about them. And so you can flip that around and go, well, I wonder why this person showed up this way. I wonder what's going on for this person that they would act this way. And that allows you a little bit of compassion, which is so needed right now. (laughs) The world needs Mm -hmm. a massive dose of compassion, and you can get there through curiosity.
3: Yeah. So when you organized your bookshelf, did you put the spines looking towards the wall or out so you can read them? Because when my wife organizes things like that, she flips them around because she thinks it looks cooler.
4: Well, they're only flipped around in the mystery section. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay to add further mystery yeah i like that yeah and people have found different things that they never really thought they would get interested in i think we've all kind of had a little bit of something that we've grabbed onto that we didn't realize we liked so i have a son and this is so weird to say out loud but he's six now and we've bonded over certain video games and things things that are easy for a six-year-old to play things that i never thought i would be getting into so i'm sure there's all kinds of other people that that have uh, picked up things during this time, you got to look at some of the, the bright sides of this, too. I know we, we look at the doom and gloom so much, but you're right. There, there's so much out there that can keep us motivated. I'm sure there's things that are within arm's reach for so many people that they just don't credit.
4: It's so true. Practice looking at, through, at the world through the eyes of a six-year-old. Whether or not you have kids, as, as our listening audience, practice looking at the world through the eyes of a six-year-old. And it becomes an amazing place to be.
3: Oh, yeah. Just a couple of days ago, I had to explain to him what an outhouse was. And there was a time before plumbing (laughs) was indoors. And I forgot what it was. I think there was like a graphic of an outhouse on something. And he didn't know what it was. And I had to explain to him there was this little house that was outside of the regular house. And we were talking about it. And I thought, oh, this is great. There's so much that he's going to learn in life. These are the things he shouldn't have to worry about right now. But it's so fun to explain it to him. (laughs) that's awesome so again if if people wanted to find your work and some of the things you're doing what's your website again please please look me up
4: wayne w-a-y-n-e-p-e-r-n-e-l-l waynepernell.com yeah
3: and one last thing are you in toronto no i am based just outside of san francisco Oh, okay. I got you. I got you mixed up. I'm sorry, because I was um, I was thinking sometimes the mindset of a Canadian is a little bit more bright than one of an American. And I thought maybe that could be some of it. But I think uh, if we were trying to judge uh, people on positivity relative to what the baseline is for the American population, you're probably in the top one percent of positivity, which is good.
4: (laughs) You got, you got to stay there, right? You, you got, got to stay, stay there.
3: there. And, <laughs> Doctor... and, and and you okay. got to
4: share it, right? You got to share it. So yeah.
3: yeah. Dr. Wayne Purnell, and you can find him online at waynepurnell.com. Thank you so much for coming on to Overnight America. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure. Thank you. That was good. Uh, put a smile on my face to start the hour. That's needed. Uh, he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. On Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier.
5: Siri, play KMOX.
3: All right. What a show we have tonight. All kinds of different perspectives. So if uh, you enjoyed those last couple of hours, we got some time to talk now. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. We will discuss Josh Hawley's interview with Mark Reardon. He was on the program a couple of, well, what, three o'clock-ish, somewhere in there. Don't exactly know what time it started, but you can go get the interview at KMOX.com as part of Mark Reardon's program. And earlier today, uh, Senator Josh Hawley here in Missouri, all kinds of different perspectives. I think this might be his first local interview he's had in St. Louis. He's done some of the national shows, Fox News and such. So it was good to have him on The Voice of St. Louis. I saw this one story, too, and I wanted to bring this out real quick. Uh, KMOV was documenting some of the different struggles some people are having because of COVID. There was that one story. I don't know if you remember. We covered it. Was it last week where the unintended consequences of the eviction moratorium and it followed a landlord who was trying to get someone out of a house? And they were completely destroying the inside of this thing. And you completely sympathized. You know, they'd spent all of this time and money to renovate this new property. Someone moves in and then just goes in and makes it look like a bomb went off or a bunch of uh, uh, demolition crew went through there, ripping doors off of the bathroom and holes in walls and just uh, just gross stuff all over the place. Now, here's another story KMOV found, and I wonder how many of these stories are out there. Let me give you an idea of just how much of a nightmare it is for these homeowners. So it goes back into a story of a family members who are trying to get some living arrangements. And it sounds like um, you had a couple that were going to build a second home onto their property for their daughter to live on. Her daughter, uh, her, their daughter, her husband, and their two children. Kind of a nice thing. I know a lot of different people that have done similar things. If they've got a large property, they can do that sort of thing. They have the freedom to do it. And it's nice to have them buy. They have their own independent place. If they got the money, it's nice to get them out of the house. They don't have to hear the kids screaming all day. But then they're close enough so they can have dinner together and don't have to drive or whatever. So advantages, sure. So as part of this, they hired someone to build this property on their property to build this uh, house. And it's not done. It's been sitting there forever. It takes forever. And the contractor collects the money, doesn't do the work as part of the payment, as as part of payment for this house, they decided to give the contractor a roof over their heads in an old trailer that they had. So this was the old residence. And the idea was, okay, maybe this will help us cut down on the costs. We'll give him a home. It's a win-win situation. So the contractor moves into the house, and then, according to the parents, the ones that contacted KMOV, in moves the guy's brother. And because of the eviction moratorium, they can't get the guy to leave. And then then the brother's not doing work on the house to begin with. Oh, and then there's an added twist to all of this. So here's uh, the story from KMOV.
6: They regret the unusual payment made to Reed. I'm sick over it. Riddle says he's not only out tens of thousands. So this was my disability retirement savings. But this payment arrangement came with a twist. The Riddles offered to give Reed this small mobile home and lot in Sorrento, Illinois, in lieu of cash. That's where Denson and her children were living prior to the RV.
3: All right, so now they said, okay, you're building the house for the kids. We want them to live with us. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll move the kids into the RV. The house will be done well, with enough time, we're we're talking months and months and months down the loan, down the line. So RV's just temporary. No way they'll have to wait till winter. You know, this is not a place for a family with young kids to live when they don't have proper insulation and heating and things in this old RV or whatever. But it won't come to that because they'll get this place done right. The
6: riddles say they turned it over too early, and now one of Reed's relatives is living in the home. So let me get this straight: somebody who is not related to you is living in your son-in-law and daughter's mobile home. Yes. That's not paying rent and doesn't currently have permission to be there.
1: Right. And he's a registered sex offender. So,
3: Oh, boy, did you catch that? So the last thing shouldn't be there. And he's a registered sex offender. Oh, no. So the thing just gets keep getting worse and worse. In another one of those unintended consequences. They think they are making a deal. It's a win-win. They're helping someone out. That person's helping them out. They're going to have this house in the end. Everything's going to go great. And then what happens? uh, They're not getting the deal done, not holding up their end of the bargain, and they can't do anything about it. They pay, they pay, and they pay, and they have all these checks to prove to KMOV. They show it all. They say, here it is. You can see all the money we paid him. We're not, the job's not done. He's not working on it. It's been sitting there. And his sex offender, uh, a brother who's on the sex offender registry is now living there instead of him.
6: There's that too and i checked bill's brother frank is on the sex offender registry and he's registered at libby's home so i started with a phone call to frank yeah. and he seems to dispute the info on isp's website are you a registered sex offender or not
0: no i, I,
7: I used to be but I'm not no more i did my job.
3: but here see that's the thing it's he's on the website they have a lot of photos of him on the website do you just naturally drop off of it i think that once you're on it you're on it for a long time it's not some even though you may have served your time as and you went to jail and got out it doesn't mean that when you get out that you don't register um, so and then if you fast forward to the end of this kmov story it shows that eventually because of the pressure the TV station was putting on they decided to get the brother out so they leave and vacate that property but then the probation officer's looking for him. So keep in mind, as a registered sex offender, he was registering that location where he was at as his location. Uh, so, oh, it's just a complete mess. So the house is sitting there. It's not built up to code, by the way. They walk through. Um, well, I don't know if it's built up to code or not. I mean, they walk through and they show some of the grievances that they have because they're standing in what's supposed to be "quote unquote" the attic area, and you can't stand up in it, and it's supposed to be its own separate room, and. The reporter for KMOV is bumping his head, and he says, if you're six foot, you're bumping your head on these things. These are not standard eight-foot door frames or anything like that, Um, or whatever the door frames would be, eight-foot ceilings, 10-foot, I don't know, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but it's not your standard. And all of these things are starting to add up, and they're saying, oh, boy, we're in some trouble. Oh, boy. So you feel for them. That's a story out of KMOV. I don't know how many of those stories there are. But, man, I sympathize for anyone that's got to deal with this stuff right now. All right, so coming up after the break, I wanted to play some of the interview from Senator Josh Hawley. He was on KMOX earlier today with Mark Reardon, and I pulled a couple of the clips from that interview. I want to play those for you, and I want to get your reaction to them. So we'll do that. Also, the weather coming up next on Overnight America KMOX
0: News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals.
3: So overnight in America, producer Mike was asking me if my son went out and sled today in the snow, and yes, he did. So our backyard has a little little tiny baby slant. Uh, so he was able to go down there and have fun with the little sled, that plastic sled we got in the back, which was pretty fun. I know a lot of kids were doing it where they were going out and playing in the snow today or whatever if they get out of school. And home or after virtual learning or whatever it is pop on the snow boots get the snow pants on and go out and have some fun was art hill pretty busy today i didn't see anything on it i've seen some social media accounts saying oh i went to art hill today but it didn't look crowded normally days like this they would be crowded right um i don't know i I haven't seen much but either way it's something i haven't experienced for myself i'll have to take him there sometime the hard part for us is that we have the availability there's so many parks in st louis there's a million places to go And the hard part for me is like, okay, I can go and do that. But do I really want to haul myself up and down this hill over and over and over again? I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. I'm getting lazy. What am I supposed to do? Uh, But then again, I didn't have much time. But who knows how long the snow is going to stick around eventually. Maybe tomorrow for a little bit. But then the day after. Well, we're going to get sun tomorrow. But the day after in the 40s doesn't fare all that well. So I wanted to play this interview from earlier today. And if you had a chance to listen to Senator Josh Hawley talk about His situation he's in, the calls where people are not happy with him. Like, let me give you some examples. Even Jake Tapper bringing this up, uh, asking if Senator Josh Hawley should be a co-defendant when it comes to this impeachment trial.
8: How does somebody like Josh Hawley get treated in this? He's obviously a juror, but one could argue he should also uh, be a co-defendant in the sense that he and Ted Cruz were also responsible for pushing the big lie, which maybe their words that day didn't incite, but their contribution to this fiction that the election was stolen and could be overturned on January 6th, they they played a role.
3: And that's the thing, I, I heard that and I started to think to myself, well, from what I remember, when the question of overturning the election would come up, whenever Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz would be asked that, on the many of interviews they had before, they never said the election would be overturned. They made it very clear why they are objecting. And even one before the electoral college vote that happened on that January 6th, uh, I forgot if he was on Neil Cavuto show or something on Fox News. Josh Hawley was asked about that. And he said very clearly, I don't think any of this is going to change anything. Here's the reasons why I'm bringing up my objections. And I think he has been pretty consistent with that. And I I was thinking back to those interviews from, you know, November to December until that January 6th certification day. And I don't remember hearing it that way. What I do know is that there were a lot of people that did bring it up that way. And I guess that if you look at it as, hey, we got to we got to really examine this way that we handle our elections for some reason, you get clumped in with everyone else, and for it, it's all the same argument to some people. I think that if you're a CNN or a Jake Tappers, you'd understand that these are different arguments that are being made in different places. But if you want to use it all the same, then fine. We can go back and say that everything that any of these other groups bring up, it's all the same. And everything that any of these other groups and people that support them is the first time that any of these groups do something illegal or violent or dangerous. Then you as a supporter of that group are a co-conspirator or you are involved in that violence by default. And again, I want to go back to what Rand Paul said yesterday. Big thumbs up for Rand Paul. I think he did a great job on the Senate floor laying this out. He said, rightfully so, whenever any of the colleagues in the Democratic side saw that they may be supporting some of these groups. Um, None of the Republicans said, we need to kick them out of office. We need to censure them. We need to make sure that they lose power because of their support for this group. That didn't happen. We need to impeach them. And even bringing up Kamala Harris as vice president now, should we then impeach her, given her stances on those in the past? Would that be looked at as incitement? But all of these different things are not being brought up that way. What happens is, you find yourself conducting official government business on the government House and Senate floor, and people are upset when you bring up something to them when they equate it as something else unfairly. I think um, not everyone has that opinion though. There's so there's so many different opinions on this. In fact, when I was listening earlier today with Mark Reardon and Josh Holly, Mark Reardon was bringing up a lot of these different points the the ones that have been used. Uh, against Josh Hawley and all of this, he was very much wanting to th- put that out there and give Josh Hawley the opportunity to defend himself during those things. And I think you'll hear that. And I don't I wouldn't call this getting heated by any means. I do see Josh Hawley getting a little annoyed that this is coming up so much. So I want you to hear it for yourself. And then you tell me what you think of this interview. Three, one, four, four, three, six, seventy, nine hundred or eight hundred nine, two, five, eleven, twenty. Which, by the way, you can listen to this full interview by going to KMOX.com. Here's Senator Josh Hawley and Mark Reardon.
9: Do you not? But see, I think the problem is, and, and uh, this is, you're just going to have to answer the question, Th- there seems to be a, a disagreement. So there are some people that feel like you led them down the path that would lead some Trump supporters, um, you know, I guess interpreting some of the things you were doing as the feeling that he was still going to be sworn into office and that somehow even after the 15th, this is going to take place. Let me ask you about Senator Danforth and what he said. He was back on TV yesterday saying this or maybe two days ago that that he's disappointed in you and that you were one of the biggest political mistakes that he made. Have you spoken with Senator Danforth or I mean, look, he was a mentor, Josh. That has to sting at the very least a little, doesn't it?
5: Listen, I never went to Washington in order to represent or please the political establishment. I went to represent the people of Missouri. Let me just go back to what you said a second ago about some people feel I led them down the path. That's just a lie. I mean, that is a lie told by the left-wing mob that now wants to silence me and Ted Cruz and 140 House members and 13 senators and anybody who would dare stand up to them, anybody who who's a Trump supporter, who refuses to bow the knee. And I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna be silenced, Mark. It is. It is a lie that I was trying to overturn an election or that Ted Cruz was trying to overturn an election. It is a lie that I incited violence or that he incited violence or that having a debate on the floor of the Senate is equivalent to violence. That is a lie. And if that, by the way, if that becomes the new standard in America, that leading a debate on the floor of the Senate is akin to violence, uh, I fear for our democracy because I don't know how people are going to be represented. We followed the letter of the law. I was clear in my explanation exactly as to why I was objecting. I stand by that a hundred percent. And I can tell you right now, I am not going to bow to a left-wing mob that tries to run me out of town, that tries to cancel the votes of Missourians or tries to cancel the views of my Missouri constituents. Period. End of story.
3: Okay. So that's the question that set it up. And when Mark pushed him further on that point, things started to also sound like, well, really, he's got to defend this over again. You can I don't know if the right tone was he felt annoyed by it here. You you listen to it for yourself.
5: We represented the people of our state and followed the lawful process. We followed the letter of the law. We followed the precedent set by Democrats. We raised a legitimate objection about a legitimate subject. And to try to rule that out of bounds now and say that it is somehow criminal or akin to criminal activity is absolutely outrageous. And I will not bow to it for a second. And I will not give it an inch of ground. It is a lie, and it is dangerous to democracy.
9: Uh, Well, and I'm going to have to disagree a little bit because I I think that maybe some people – look, I I think what happened on January 6th, Josh, was outrageous. It was outrageous. And the more I thought about it, the more I saw videos – and by the way, it wasn't Antifa, okay? Can we agree with that? It wasn't Antifa, was it?
5: Uh, I don't know if I don't have any evidence that was Antifa. I mean, listen, I think that the criminal rioters who perpetrated this ought to go to jail and be punished to the fullest extent of the law, just like the rioters in cities all over this country all summer long. But let's not use a criminal riot as an excuse to try and purge political opponents and shut down the dissent and the voice of 75 million Americans. Those people who want to do that, which is much of the left, they need to stop lying. And I would just say to you, don't be part of the lie, Mark. Don't repeat their lies.
9: But what am am I lying about? I don't think you—I'm not saying you criminally—I'm Yeah, not saying— I'm not—I haven't accused you of criminally inciting anything. Well, I'm not accused you of criminally inciting anything. You have
5: an obligation to fight for in a poll. So I would caution you, fight for the First Amendment here. Don't be part of the lie.
9: But what am I lying about? I don't know what I'm lying about. I was asking a question. No, I'm just saying, I, I
5: think that equating equating yeah. equating the equating an objection, equating the lawful democratic process with violence, or saying that we were trying to overturn an election, or that we incited people to violence, or that we told people that, that Trump was going to be president, all of that is a lie.
3: Okay, that is Senator Josh Hawley, part of a 13-minute-ish interview that you can find at camox.com. What do you think about it? Did you get to listen to it earlier, or maybe this is the first you're hearing of it? 314 436 7900 and Mike is holding on. Welcome to Overnight America.
7: Good evening. I enjoy your show. I was able to listen to the Rear to the Reardon uh, interview and I like Mark. And I you know so what it left me wondering is I still don't know who to believe. Is Josh is Josh Holly lying to the American people? Or is the media, or are they lying? And that's mm. the problem we got right now. So somebody needs to explain a guy to a guy like me is who I'm supposed to believe.
3: Mm. You, know what I think happens here, and and why it gets annoying. There's this old adage of setting up a question in a way that may, that puts you automatically on defense. And it's kind of uh, a trick that some people use. And I'll give you an example of one. So like, let's say uh, we're talking and Mike, let's pretend you are Josh Holly, okay? For just a minute, if that's all right. And let's say I am Ryan Recker trying to conduct an interview and, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And let's pretend that I want to try to put you in a corner. So I would come up to you and I would say something that would be purposely uh, put you in uh, the backs, uh, back up against the wall. And I would say something along the lines of, did you, did you think about the families of the people that were incited before you said the things you were saying, or you would, um, you know, it's like the, the old classic line is when did you stop beating your wife? And when you ask a question like that, it implies that you were beating your wife to begin with and it's a kind of an insulting question and i think in a way a lot of these questions in a lot of the ways that people phrase this to uh, josh hawley or to ted cruz or to anyone else this is how they're approaching this topic and i think that's why a lot of people look at it as that what a sham all of this is together to try to lump all of these things together a legitimate concern of the integrity of elections as in to say that your concern is the thing that is equal to trying to uh, convince people it's okay to storm a Capitol building. And they're, they're two things that are completely different. I don't know. Does that make sense?
7: Well, I mean, once again, it still doesn't leave me, I know, and I believe the American people with any clear evidence of, of who's right or who's wrong. So as long as one side can okay. keep saying stuff and then the other side can keep saying stuff and there's no per se line, you know, it's too gray until somebody out there can uh, somebody where they appoint or we appoint as the American civilization, then it's going to only get worse. The 72 million people okay. that, that, that he didn't think uh, that he, or the people that got hurt, that they, the question would have been, didn't you think about the families of them people? Maybe he was thinking about the 72 million people out there that do have families that are very concerned. I, I, you know, I don't know. Once again, I'm not saying or or promoting either way. I'm just honestly looking for the truth.
3: Okay. Appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Here's the thing. When you are Jake Tapper and you say something like this, I do not believe he's looking for the truth. Here. How does somebody
8: like Josh Hawley get treated in this? He's obviously a juror, but one could argue he should also uh, be a co-defendant in the sense that he and Ted Cruz were Also responsible for pushing the big lie, which maybe their words that day didn't incite, but their contribution to this fiction that the election was stolen and could be overturned on January 6th, they they played a role. See, and to me,
3: when I hear the way that he's bringing it up, he is not trying to get to truth and he's not being a journalist there. So I, I feel like you can do this for pretty much anything. You can say, We can look at Vice President Kamala Harris and the big lie she pushed about how we need to fill in the blank. And now she's responsible for this. Or we can look at the big lie that Chuck Schumer or the big lie that Nancy Pelosi or the big lie of fill in the blank said about fill in the blank, which resulted in the end. We know what happened on fill in the blank. So then you, I think, arbitrarily start to connect things in a way that meets what you're trying to attack them on so you're the one that are drawing these as in if it is truth but it's really not it's opinion and then again a lot of other people look at it differently but you look at the people that look at it differently and say they're the liars that's the problem that's just probably more confusing than anything else what would you think of the interview 314-436-7900 it's overnight america kmox
0: now back to overnight america on kmox Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael's Outlet.com.
3: Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker, and you can actually go listen to that full interview online. You don't have to uh, wait for me to do it. 314 436 7900 if you want to call in and talk about those comments from Senator Josh Hawley. He was on earlier today on KMOX with Mark Reardon. And, um, yeah, all kinds of different reactions in all kinds of different ways it's taken. People, this is not a way that people take in any one way. It's not looked at perfect. Or you can do the radio rewind if you want to. There's some links on there, too. Um, I'm reading some of the text messages. Uh, Not a fan of Jake Tapper on the text message line. Um, Twisting the truth, one person said. Okay, yeah, there is a lot of that that goes down. That's what I like about the type of radio show we can do here. We can actually discuss these things. And I'm not offended if you come up with a different point of view. I'd rather talk about it. And I'm looking at some of the other things, some of the indicators out there. And I really wondered what's going to happen when it comes time to convict. Is there going to be a conviction? I think the answer is most certainly no. I, I really don't see that happening. Rand Paul tried to drop this altogether. Didn't happen. But what he found out was the 45 of 50 Republicans said, no, let's let's uh, let's drop this. So if that's any indication of what the final vote will be, it's nowhere near the number of votes that would be needed to convict Donald Trump. Then again, do you really believe that is what they're trying to do? Um, no. No, I, I, I think they know there is no there there is no hope in it. Convict, You know, there's kind of this weird poetic justice that's going on in this comparison of what's going on. What do they say about Josh Hawley objecting on the Senate floor during the electoral college vote, just like many other Democrats had in the past to uh, to uh, Donald Trump, to George W. Bush a couple of times. You had congressmen and women stand up and object that way, even a senator getting on board back in 2004. So he stands up and gives this objection. He knows that it won't overturn the election because he said he, uh, he he said that it wasn't going to overturn the election on interviews even leading up to it. He said that he wanted to make sure his objection was heard, uh, what was going on in Pennsylvania. And they're looking at him as a traitor. They're looking and, and they said it's not going to change the results. Look at you. You're trying to uh, look at what you're doing a democracy. You're trying to overturn the election, blah, 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 blah. They say all these things. Now look at this. There's a second impeachment trial that's happening after he's out of office. And Donald Trump can't be removed from office because he's already out of office. The punishment of convicting on this would be to remove him from office, but it's a mute point at this point. But they're going through the motions anyway. They know it's not going to change anything. They know that there's not going to be anything that happens. There's no repercussion. It's just that. it's just is what it is. And they know at this point that they're not going to be able to convict. They know the outcome will be no conviction. So what's the difference here? If them bringing to the floor something they know won't overturn, And they know they don't have enough votes for it to happen, and nothing's going to change in the outcome. What's the difference between what Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi is doing right now, as opposed to Ted Cruz and uh, Josh Hawley or anyone else? In this case, all they had to do was stand up, and they get an opportunity to say, "Here's why I object." And in the end, they move on. That's how your objections are heard during that electoral college process. In this case, they want to spend weeks. They skipped an investigation. They didn't do it properly. And they're doing it in a way that how about this? Uh, Maybe we can say they are inciting violence by trying to push this even further, by trying to push a second impeachment, knowing there's nothing that'll change and nothing will happen at the end. They're still trying to do it. Wow. What an incitement of violence. Every Democrat that votes for this is guilty of inciting violence and should be removed from office. You know how ridiculous of an argument that would be? That's how stupid it sounds. I think when people bring this up against uh, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. All right, so uh, let's go to the phone lines, 314-436-7900. Uh, is it Rodrin? Welcome to Overnight America. Hello? Hi.
1: Hi, how are you? I have, I'm the, the woman that likes the baseball games. Oh, that's great. Yeah, some time ago. But I'm, mm-hmm. I heard the interview with uh, Josh Hawley today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I met him like 10 years ago when he was running for attorney general. Oh, okay. And I think he's a young man that's on the move, and I hope that someday he—I probably won't be around—but I hope that he he will be a president. He's wow. he's very well spoken. He sat on my porch and we talked when he was running for the attorney general, and that's been a long time well, ago. Right? But wow, well, how about that? I, yeah, I think he's about moving up the line, and I think we should have more young people going into politics because. You know, the older people t- are going to move on or retire or pass on or whatever, and mm-hmm. if you don't have any young people to fill the spot, it, it, he is it young. just won't be, it, it, it won't be good. So, I
3: like that he sits down on your porch and talks uh, business with you. I think that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and on, t- on top of that, he's a, I have a daughter that's a lawyer, and lawyers are slick. So, so, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, you I recognize to the guy to, today would try to corner him, but he, he did a terrible job of trying to do that because they're
3: smart. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Rodrin. thank you so much for calling in. That's so wonderful for you to share that story. I appreciate it. All right. 314-436-7900 on Overnight America KMOX.